Thanks for tuning in to Witch Wednesdays with Steph for a chat about a new witchcraft topic every Wednesday morning. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph and you are listening to episode 85, Health, Safety, and Protection in Witchcraft. And today you will be hearing from just me again. Usually I like to space it out between uh, solo episodes and episodes with guest hosts, but just the way that recording uh, availability worked out is you're getting, I think, three from just me in a row, and then I think the next four are all with guest hosts. So those are all coming up and a lot of uh, fun new voices for you. But for today, we are talking health and safety, and that includes mundane safety, magical safety, and then, of course, information about protection and what that means within the realm of witchcraft. The first thing that I want to mention but not go into is, of course, candle and fire safety, which includes incense within that. And I don't think that I need to touch on that anymore. Definitely have gone over that in previous episodes ad nauseum about how to be safe when working with fire. Always keep some way to put it out, never leave anything unattended, all of those things that we have already talked about. But that needs to be mentioned in the mundane safety section because there are a lot of uh, perceived dangers in witchcraft. People think that a lot of the darker arts are dangerous, working with spirits and dangerous. And really, most of the danger in witchcraft comes from being stupid with candles. So (laughs) that's really what you need to be worried and focused on is the idea of setting fire to your curtains when you leave a candle unintended. That's, you know, the number one cause of unsafe practices. So do not forget your fire safety. Moving on to the other mundane uh, safety aspects. One that I really wanted to touch on since we talked about uh, ways to tell people you're a witch and come out of the broom closet. And there is an episode coming up about how to practice if you prefer to stay in the broom closet or need to stay in the broom closet for any reason. But for those of you who are out of the broom closet, there is still a safety aspect involved in practicing in public. It's just something that you need to be aware of. Hopefully nobody bothers you if you're in a public space and doing something like that, but not every place is very safe. And there's really two aspects to that. First of all, not everybody will be as accepting of the practice. Hopefully nobody will harass you or bother you or cause you any physical harm, but it is a concern that some places witchcraft is still really misunderstood and they might end up doing something that hurts you. So be aware if you are in an environment like that, just always be aware of your surroundings. And the second part of that is just safety in general. Uh, A lot of the listeners of this podcast are solo practitioners. So generally, if you are out doing witchcraft in the world, you are by yourself and we all like to work with the moon and, you know, darker phases of the year, darkness in general, nighttime, and a lot of places just aren't safe, witchcraft or not, to be out by yourself at night, which is unfortunate but true. So that is definitely another big aspect of safety is being concerned about your physical safety when you are practicing in public. So there are a lot of workarounds. If your spell needs to be done outside at night and you don't have access to that, there are a lot of workarounds um, within the practice of witchcraft that you can substitute Uh, different time of day or do the working inside, uh, it is still going to be effective. Another part of 
mundane safety is with the use of crystals. Crystals have been steadily growing in popularity. We all love the shiny, pretty crystals, many different options, but they are not all safe. And something I've seen a lot lately are crystals in water, uh, in water, bottled water specifically. Um, that's become really popular. They do make water bottles that have crystals in them, but the crystals are contained in their own section and they have like a covering over them. So they're not actually touching the water. But the problem is when you are not as familiar with your crystals, you start putting them directly in the water and then you are drinking that. There are a lot of crystals that leach harmful materials. Malachite is one, Um, but there are others that have negative interactions with water. They can leach out these toxic things, but they can also dissolve and you just don't want to be drinking that. So before you go putting crystals directly into water, first make sure the water is not going to damage them. We don't want that. But also if you're going to be drinking it, you need to know exactly what the interactions are between your crystal and water. And that is easily found online. Just quick Google search will tell you. You also want to know how you interact with minerals and crystals before you get any jewelry. It's really popular to wear them. We've talked about that on this podcast many times, that that is a great way to interact with crystals and keep them on your person, to use in uh, protection or a self-love spell, healing, anything like that. But a lot of people have sensitivities to certain metals and minerals. Uh, Copper is one, zinc is another that people know that they have um, a reaction to those metals and won't get anything with those metals, but those minerals are in a lot of different crystals. So before you go buying a piece of crystal jewelry that's going to be worn against your skin, you want to look up and see if it has any of those allergens in it. And before you wear it in a conspicuous place for a long period of time, make sure you test it out against your skin to make sure that you don't have any personal reactions to it. And the last point that I want to make about safety with crystals is to keep them away from pets. Pets also really like crystals as much as we do. Uh, They find them interesting little toys, and I guess this applies to kids too. I don't have kids, but toddlers, everything is a choking hazard. (laughs) They put everything in their mouth, so just be aware of where your crystals are. Keep them out of reach of children and pets, and pets especially like the salty crystals, like it. Himalayan salt lamp, definitely, but there are other crystals that have high salt concentrations and wild animals and pets alike love that saltiness and they don't know when to stop. So they just keep licking, keep licking, and that can be incredibly toxic to them and eventually kill them. So you want to keep your crystals away from your pets. The next part of mundane health and safety is in terms of herbs and plants. And the first point that I wanted to make is just because it's natural doesn't mean it's safe. It doesn't mean that it's something you want to touch with your bare hands. It doesn't mean that it's something that you want to consume, especially, or put on your skin in any way. I know a lot of people fall into that trap because of the idea that it came from nature. It's natural. It must be safe, but that is not always the case. I know people also like that label in Um, their skincare and hair care products and things that they're marketed as, you know, oh, all safe and, you know, non-toxic ingredients because everything's all natural. Well, you know what? Cat pee is all natural too, but I still don't want it on my skin. So just because it's natural doesn't mean it's safe. If you are going to be working extensively with 
herbs and plants and you're going to be sourcing them yourself, you really need to get a guidebook and be familiar with what is in your area and what it is that you are collecting and potentially touching. And if it's your first time, wear gloves when using it, even if you are pretty sure you know what it is, until you can be 100% positive that you know what that plant is, it's better to touch it with gloves. There are a lot of great resources out there in terms of books um, and apps and things. As always, I will link resources related to this topic over at uh, whichwednesdays.com and on Patreon, which is linked through Instagram. You can find it. So you can find all of these books and other ways of identifying the plants that you are working with. And the apps are not always 100% effective. They have a lot of great ones where you take a photo and it will tell you what it is, but again, not 100% effective. And plants, green witchery, herbalism in general is something that you really have to deep dive into and study. It's a little different when you are getting lavender or rosemary at your local occult shop or grocery store or anything like that, then you know what those are and how those will interact with your skin and things like that. But if you are foraging out in the wild for your plants and herbs, it's definitely better to be on the safe side because there are a lot of poisonous ones out there that will cause instant severe reactions uh, when you touch them. So definitely do not want that happening. In general, it is safer to use a plant outside of yourself. And by that, I mean within a spell jar or charm bag or something like that, as opposed to consuming it as like a tea or applying it to your skin as in an oil or a bath. This also applies when burning incense. A lot of people forget that, but when you are burning it, that is still going into your body. The same way that if you are applying it to your skin, that goes into your bloodstream. When you are breathing in the incense, you are also breathing all of that into your body. So you need to know what the ingredients are when you are making incense. Usually this means loose incense and you're going to be burning those herbs and breathing those in. You need to make sure that they are not only non-toxic to you and some plants do turn toxic upon being burned. So be aware of that, but also beware of which ones are toxic to your animals because there are quite a few that are toxic to cats and also dogs especially if you burn them. And if you can smell it, they can smell it. So they are inhaling all of that too. If that's poisonous to them, that is a problem. And I want to say that for all of these, you need to be even more careful if you are pregnant or on medication. There is a lot of documented evidence of plants and herbs having a negative effect on pregnancy and also on medication, either making the medication um, completely ineffective, that's just not working anymore. If you are consuming some sort of plant that, or it has a negative interaction of those two together and could make you sick. So keep those things in mind when you are looking up your ingredients that you want to use for a spell or have gathered a plant that you want to start using or burning. Look up all of the implications of how it can interact with your pregnancy, your medication, all of the, your pets, everything. Of course, you always want to patch test for allergies first, even if it is something that is generally considered safe like rose, lavender, clove, cinnamon. Those are things that we're more familiar with, generally considered safe for more people, but there are people who have allergies to every single one of those things. And if you have never used them before on your skin, you won't know. So always patch test a 
small part of your skin for allergies before you do something like say soak in a bathtub with all of those ingredients. Another important point, and again, this is where a guidebook would come in handy, is that not all parts of the plant are safe. There could be some parts of the plant, like the flowers that are safe, whereas the stem or roots are not, or vice versa. Um, this is more common than you think. So again, getting a guidebook to help you figure out which parts of a plant you can actually use in your spellcraft would be ideal. And just like crystals, many things that are fine for you are harmful to your pets. So you want to keep everything out of reach of your pets, um, especially if you have cats because they can get to more places than your dog can. So if you do have cats that jump and climb, you want to make sure that you're not bringing anything in that is toxic to them and leaving it unattended. Um, I know lilies is a big one that um, is toxic to cats that a lot of people aren't aware of and poinsettias are toxic to dogs and cats and very popular around Christmas time. So do not be bringing those into your house as pretty as they look. To go along with herbs and plants is also the idea of oils. And an oil contains the potent parts of the plant. So all of the same warnings that apply to herbs and plants apply to oils. So everything that I just said also applies to the oil version of whatever plant that is. Specifically to oils is that they are highly flammable. That is part of the reason why we anoint candles with oils is because of that high flammability. You get better readings if you're doing a burn reading or candle wax reading. It can be helpful to have that oil on there to increase um, that burning power. But you don't want to go too heavy-handed because it will be a ball of flame. We don't want that either. So oils in that way are definitely meant to be used sparingly. So they do not set on fire and also keep the you know, full container of the oil away from the flame. And also in terms of oils, we have mentioned this before, but essential oils are highly concentrated. So you want to make sure that you dilute it with a carrier oil. If you use essential oils directly on your skin, you are going to have a reaction in often in the form of a burn, chemical burn. So absolutely do not want that on your skin. So just make sure that for every couple of drops of essential oil that you are using, you are using a few tablespoons of a carrier oil. While we are on the subject of keeping your skin safe, you also want to make sure everything that you use is well sanitized. This is especially important if you work with blood, saliva, or other bodily fluids. A lot of witches do not like to do that, but a lot will use a drop of their blood or something in spell work like that. There are a lot of alternatives if you don't want to, like beets, beet juice is often used instead. But if you do, you need to make sure that everything that you use is sterile and that you know how to sterilize your tools both before and after you use anything like that. And I highly recommend keeping your vessels separate, whether you are using your own blood and that's going into a jar, don't then turn around and use that jar to make something that you're going to eat. It's just... Not, not a safe practice. If you regularly are going to be using blood or saliva in your practice, then have separate tools and vessels to use just for that and keep a separate um, cauldron or knives for your use in your qu kitchen witchcraft so those tools are completely separate 
and um, don't cross-contaminate. And of course, that applies to working with any poisonous herbs. There is a time and place for working with plants that are poisonous, and there are a lot of spells out there that do use parts of like the poisonous parts of plants. And if you are going to go that route and you're already using gloves and all the other safety precautions, another one that you should add is just whatever containers and tools that you use to work with poisonous plants, just keep them separate and get a different set for anything that you are going to use in the kitchen or consume or put onto your skin. And the last mundane safety concern, which is a little bit between mundane and magical, is definitely mental health. I think a lot of witches gloss over that, but spell work is incredibly draining energetically. So you have to know how to take care of your mental health. It can also be incredibly draining to be in the broom closet or have to defend your practice to family members. It can just be a lot. So you have to know how to prioritize your mental health and have somebody that you can talk to if you need to go to therapy, if you need to start medications, or if you just need to get on Discord and know that there is a community of other witches out there supporting you and can help you with a meditation practice or a grounding practice and give you some tips and tricks there to help you feel like you are balancing your energy well, then you should do any and all of those things because your mental health is number one. If you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult to do all of the other things that you want to do. It's so important to take care of yourself and put yourself first. Okay, with all that said, we are ready to move into magical safety. I know the mundane safety information is just not as fun and not what everyone is looking for. But the fact is when people say that witchcraft is dangerous, the danger really comes from poisonous plants and candles burning down the house. The danger does not lie in spirits and curses and hexes and jinxes. Not that those things don't exist and some witches encounter them way more than others, but it's really the mundane stuff that is the most important and every single witch comes across. But magical safety is important too, and it's better to have the information than not have it. Because as witches, we are constantly opening ourselves up to negative interactions and unwanted energies. Because we are doing that energetic work and putting that out into the universe, that just draws things towards you. And that could be attention from other witches who are wishing something negative on you. It could be attention from spirits that aren't necessarily negative, but they're just drawn to you because you feel very powerful and they feel that energy and they may be you know, bothering you in some way. They don't intend to be and they're not trying to hurt you, but it could be bothersome and you want to get rid of that. So we are opening ourselves up. So witches do need to do these sort of cleansing and protection things, but again not as important as the mundane safety. Make sure you have those things down as well. The most important thing to remember in magical safety is that you do not jump into things without knowing the way out. That is the basis for everything. Don't summon something if you don't know how to banish it. Just like you don't throw a plant into a pot and cook it and eat it if you don't know what it is. You have to have all of the information. It's much better to be overprepared than underprepared. So with any spell, I highly recommend doing all of the research that you can. And then especially when you are working in more baneful magic or going to start working with 
spirits or ancestors, deities, fae, those things that are a little bit outside of our normal realm, it's important to have all of the information that you can. It's better that you have it and don't use it, have no need for it, than to not know and be stuck in a situation that you can't get out of. The first thing that you always want to do is cleanse. There's no point in setting up protections magically if you haven't cleansed yourself or the space first because a lot of negative energy can be attached to you personally and it can also be inside your home, inside your space, um, attached to your tools. So the most important thing is to cleanse because if you set up protections, you're just keeping all of that negative energy inside. So you want to get it out first. There's smoke cleansing, water cleansing, salt, crystals, sound, just visualization. We have episodes on cleansing. We did a whole episode on how to cleanse with smoke to clear out your house. But if you want another uh, episode on all of the different ways to cleanse, how to cleanse with sound, for example, then just send me a message on Instagram or an email and let me know that you'd be interested in that topic and I can definitely make that happen because I know a lot of people are uh, anti-smoke cleansing. And I don't blame you in the slightest because I'm not a huge fan of smoke cleansing either. I think uh, it can be incredibly effective, maybe one of the most effective methods, but it's not the only one. And I don't like to do it uh, every time I cleanse if I don't have to. But cleansing is important for clearing out any negative energy. So you want to cleanse if you are feeling any sort of negative emotion. If you're feeling that something in particular is there, maybe a spirit or you're getting negative energy. If you think uh, another witch is directing something negative towards you, some sort of spell is on you and things are just kind of seem to be going badly. If you generally feel stressed or anxious, any negative emotion, cleansing is good for that to clear all of that out. You obviously want to cleanse yourself, of course, cleanse your tools and cleanse your space to get figure out exactly where that negative energy is coming from and just get it all out. It's better to do all of it. But it is also important to clear out stale energy. So it's not necessarily negative, but it's just been sitting. And that can kind of bring down the energy of your spells and it can leave you and your space vulnerable for negativity to come in. If it's just kind of stale and stagnant rather than positive or peaceful or whatever emotion and energy you want it to be, then it leaves room for other things to creep in there. So it's better that you set the intention and you are doing something purposeful rather than just letting it sit and be stale and nothing. So cleansing is important to clear out both of those types of energy. Once a space is cleansed and you are cleansed, then it is time to set up these protections. Protections has been a hugely popular topic lately. I have gotten plenty of questions about it because there are a lot of terms out there of what different protections are. So I wanted to go over a couple of those and do an overview of all of these different ways and sort of explain what some of these terms mean. And then you can let me know if any of them in particular seem like you need more information or would like to know more and I will make that happen. The first kind of protection and one that I feel that most witches are familiar with is called shielding. 
and you shield using your own energy. So we talked about casting a circle way back at the beginning of season one. It's one of the first episodes. Goes along with grounding, centering, energy manipulation, and casting a circle. And casting a circle is a method of shielding. You are shielding yourself and anything that's in your little bubble with your energy creating that circle. So there are lots of ways that you can shield besides casting a circle. Empaths shield a lot when they go out in public because empaths pick up on every emotion that's in the room. So if they go into a crowded space, they suddenly feel what everyone around them is feeling. And as you can imagine, that is incredibly draining. And they really have to hone their practice to be able to turn that off and protect themselves. And shielding is one way of doing that. Uh, A popular practice is veiling. I have a whole post on that over on Patreon if you want to join the community there. And veiling is a method of either placing an actual veil or covering over your head or energetically veiling yourself with your own energy and your aura to shield yourself from all of those emotions flying around out there that empaths tend to take in. So like casting a circle, shielding just comes with practice. And it's something that can be done at any time that you feel that there's some negativity going on. If you're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner and all of a sudden conversation turns to politics and vaccinations and everything else that's negative in this world, and you feel the tides turning, that would be a moment to shield yourself using your own energy. You have none of your tools or anything around you. You just manipulate your own energy to create your own little peace bubble. So all of those negative emotions do not flood into you. So shielding is a really good tool for a witch to be familiar with. And that is just like practice casting a circle over and over again, and really feeling that energy and learning how to manipulate it. And that is shielding, but definitely one of the best tools you can have in your arsenal. Another way to protect yourself, especially during spell work, is with blocking. And that is just exactly what it sounds like, blocking yourself with a physical item. So when you're shielding, you're putting up a energetic barrier between you and any negative or unwanted energy. And with uh, blocking, that is using an actual physical protection. That's like putting a desk in front of a door to block it. Blocking isn't something that um, I usually undertake, but I know a lot of witches have success with this, especially when they are still learning uh, how to properly shield and put up that energetic barrier. Having that physical barrier there is a good marker and indication, and they can really see it. People who are very visual appreciate having something in front of them um, between them and wherever the negative energy is coming from. And this is often done when you are fairly certain where something negative is coming from. Like if there is a spirit that comes um, out of the same doorway all the time, putting a block between you and the doorway when you're trying to communicate with them or work with them or banish them, which we'll get to in a minute. Or uh, when you are certain that some sort of negativity is coming from a tool maybe that you picked up in a witch shop and it just has bad energy and you're going to cleanse it, putting a physical block between you and the tool before you begin working on cleansing it uh, can be very helpful to witches to block that negative energy from coming in. Of course, something that I went over a few episodes ago, you can charge and wear amulets of protection. And you can also do the same thing with 
sigils or crystals. A lot of people wear crystals of protection. I have a tiger's eye permanently in my car because that is a protection for travel. So that tiger's eye already has that energy, but of course I put my own intention on it. So every time when I get in the car, that vehicle is protected um, on my travels by that tiger's eye. So a lot of people like carrying those crystals with them or wearing them in the form of jewelry. And there are a lot of general protection crystals. And there's also that are protection from something specifically. So protection from psychic attacks, protection during travel, protection from stress and anxiety, protection at work. So that is one reason why crystal jewelry is so popular and amulets in general. So you can infuse those with protection and have that be a passive way of protecting you at all times. A lot of people do the same with food and drink. Tara has talked about that before, how she offers protection in her kitchen witchery. So as she is cooking or baking something for the people that she is going to invite over, she is imbuing that with protection. So when they consume that food or drink and then go about their ways, they are uh, protected by her intentions that she put into that food. So those are a couple of passive ways to protect and sort of set things to work that you don't have to constantly be thinking about. But there are three ways of actively protecting that I think have become very popular lately. And that is banishing, binding, and warding. I think those have become buzzwords lately. To give you a little distinction between the three, warding is to prevent harm from reaching you. Banishing is reflecting or releasing that harm after it's already gotten to you. And binding is what prevents harm from being directed to you in the first place. So more specifically, binding, um, I have an example of that on Patreon too, if you're interested in a binding spell. That is what you would use, like binding an abusive person from coming close to you. You are binding that person and their actions. You can also bind your own actions if you have a bad addiction and uh, you are struggling to break it. You can bind yourself, bind your own actions, but it is often used for binding um, a harmful or toxic individual and you can bind them from harming you or harming other people to stop them in their tracks basically of what uh, negative action they are doing. So binding prevents them from directing that harm to you at all. Banishing is the term that is used when spirits are involved. So I think that's why it's um, come up a lot more lately because I think spirit work has become a little more popular lately. And that, again, is reflecting or releasing harm that's already gotten to you. Some people return it directly using a mirror. This happens um, a lot between witches. You think we would all, you know, be nice to each other and know that we kind of all have the knowledge to send negativity your way. So why would you even want to mess with another witch? I don't know, but people do it. And witches will often use a mirror to banish that negative energy of, or whatever sort of negative spell was directed to them directly back to the practitioner that cast it in the first place. That is a popular method of dealing with negative spells that are coming to you. But you can also banish by releasing that energy. So you would absorb it, absorb that negativity. And a lot of times you don't even realize that you've already absorbed it. Like things are just going poorly. It kind of just feel like there's a negative cloud hanging over your head. Then 
a lot of witches will take that and transform that into positive energy, into something good, a good outcome. Uh, it's generally pretty powerful negative energy. So they are just transforming it into uh, a really powerful positive spell instead. Specifically, that's called a swifting ritual, if you are interested in looking that up. And banishing is also the term that's used, again, in spirit work. So if you summon a spirit or demon or didn't mean to, and somehow there is a spirit or demon attached to you, um, somebody else sent your way, then banishing is what you would do to get rid of um, that spirit, that negative energy, um, whether that be demon, spirit, fae, people believe that there are a lot of different negative beings in the other realms that can be attracted to you in this way, and you would banish all of those entities. And that generally means that you are banishing it away from you to where it came, back to where it came from in the first place. And finally, warding is what's done to prevent harm from reaching you. This is somewhere between active and passive protection because a lot of witches set up wards in their home that would be passive protection. I have tons of spell work uh, about that on Patreon of doing a salt bowl to protect my home. I have the salt bowl going all the time, refresh it all the time, change up the ingredients sometimes, but that is my ward protecting the home among other things. Besides my salt bowl idea, you could use charm bags. Those are very popular. Witches bottles, are very popular. The traditional witch's bottle has a bunch of nasty ingredients in it, including your own urine, and witches bury it in their yard. So you can't get past where the witch's bottle is if you are intending to cause harm to the witch that lives there. They have a really interesting history that witch's bottles used to, um, they were originally to prevent witches from getting in, and then it transformed into a way that witches protect their own property. Maybe I'll do an episode on that in the future. I love witches bottles. Uh, you can also use powders to ward, you know, put that on your property line or put that on your windowsills. You can also use uh, talisman around your home and ward those. And that is just infusing that protective energy and intention into those objects and they collect all of the negativity before somebody can come in. And in terms of somebody directing negativity towards you, negative energy, whether that be a layperson or another practitioner, those wards that protect your home are protecting everyone in it as well. So those negative uh, intentions and Spells cannot get past your wards, so you are safe and protected inside your home. And that is the reason why I say I have my salt bowl up on um, Patreon, and that is one of my wards, but I would not tell you all of them because if a fellow practitioner knows all of the wards on your house, they can specifically perform spells to take down all of those wards. They work exactly backwards from everything that you set up. So you could, if you really wanted to, work backwards and take down my salt bowl, but there's so many other wards um, that I have up to protect the house and myself and everybody else while they are inside of it. Um, but as a witch, you never want to tell somebody what all of your protective wards are. I keep some stuff a secret. 
So I know that was a lot of information and I just sort of went over the basics of banishing, binding, and wording. So if you have any questions, absolutely let me know over on Instagram, which Wednesday's podcast, all one word. Also on Instagram in the profile is linked the uh, Discord server, lots of witches in there who have their own ways of doing all of these sorts of protections. So if you have any questions that you would like to direct to the community over there, they're super helpful and very welcoming. Um, nobody's being over there. <laughs> so new baby witches are welcome. And uh, you do not, you make your own handle and picture and everything. So nobody has to know your real name. I know um, I got a message about that, that you were concerned about privacy, but you create all your information. So you can use your witch name or a complete fake name. It doesn't have to match. It's not linked to your Instagram or anything um, along those lines, not linked to your Facebook. So you can be completely anonymous over on the discord server and get all of your questions answered and make mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly Cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Some new friends. Need even more witchcraft? Subscribe to Patreon for exclusive bonus content three times a week and order Sabbath boxes and other supplies at witchwednesdays.com. Be sure to follow on Instagram at witchwednesdays podcast.